Hello and welcome to the Limerick Post Podcasts. We are Limerick. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. Join me each week as we get to know the people of Limerick who are making the city and county what it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news, sport and entertainment by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all our social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. So for this week's show, I'm joined by uh, the talented Anne Blake. I, I say talented because you do a lot of stuff and, and it's hard to pin down one thing that you do. How are you getting on? I'm great. Well, I'm great. I've just been called talented, so I'm, <laughs> I'm in a great mood. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's hard to pin down exactly what you do because it is multifaceted, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose if I was to whittle down as simple to one word, I'd probably say a performer. Performer. Because uh, that kind of encompasses a lot. Um uh, in music and theatre um, but I do write as well and I direct shows too and so. uh, one of the first videos I've ever seen of you was uh, an impromptu comedy act oh god I think it was in a bell table a few years back oh yeah oh yeah. in um, Choke Choke Just Comedy one, yeah do you still do a bit of comedy or yeah so um, Choke Comedy Improv it's actually we're we're going over ten, ten we're we're actually going eleven years now, and like a lot of things, with the large group of people who dip in and out of stuff, um, we had a number of years where we were super super busy, and then marriages, kids, things like that happen. Life our, gets in the way. Life, our other projects, yeah. our other successes. So choke has been a little bit quiet in the last year or so. Um, but yeah, so it's comedy improv. So I suppose what, what people might associate is like, whose line is it anyway? So audience suggestion, making up scenes on the spot. <laughs> and um, it's actually a fantastic um, thing to do. Yeah. Like it's a very, very relaxing free. I know people watch and go, that looks terrifying, but it's actually surprisingly good for you. And um, like, it's not stand up. It's not like yeah. be funny. It's actually... Say the first thing that comes into your head because it's probably the funniest. You know, you're not trying to be funny. You're just trying to don't keep, overthink it. You're yeah. trying to keep a ball in the air yeah. is, is the best kind of metaphor. And um, a lot of people um, I've I've met over the years, people who who've done improv classes just for themselves. Like they've no interest in ever performing or that. But it's like, I suppose, maybe going to an exercise class, but you're not going to compete anywhere. You know and what I mean? It helps you build a bit of charisma, maybe, or something. You know, you're always thinking on your feet. and I, Every job, it's helpful. It's it's good for listening. Yeah. It's good f- just to have a bit of a laugh and to de-stress, you know, and... Um, and it's good It's good for the confidence, too. And, and your first time performing like that, is that a bit intimidating compared to other performance types that you would do? Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I mean, I... I come from an acting background of you learn your lines yeah. you go on stage you know where you're meant to be you know what light is on where you know where all your <laughs> props are and um when if myself and a couple of friends decided let's all go train in comedy improv because there's there was none in limerick and we're still the only real improv troupe in the city um i thought there might be some more by now just because <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of students there's a lot of people yeah, around yeah. um but I went to a show then just to, to get a taste of it. And I was like, oh my God, what are they doing? How are they doing that? That's witchcraft and voodoo. <laughs> um, and I was like, how, how can we do that? And even then when I'd be in a workshop and someone would go, okay, just go in and start a scene. I'm like, what do you mean? I need my script. I need <laughs> my, my character. direction? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So I had to like, I suppose, undo a lot of training to, to, to rebuild. And then, then you find, okay, yeah. It, your acting training does help because you know maybe how to stand or you know you've got physical things you know how to do or you know how to use your voice but it gets you out of I suppose things having to be perfect and to be okay when things go wrong actually when things go wrong it's a bit better <laughs> probably a bit funnier as well for the audience you know? way fun yeah. the audience don't want you to get it right if, if you're getting things perfect they just kind of go out they zone out but the minute things start going wrong that's where the joy but like you mentioned whose line is it anyway and usually the mm. best parts of that are when they do mess up or you know they, absolutely they break character or whatever yeah yeah that's that's the joy and so like um they I, I i do improv workshops and i say the comedy of comedy improv comes from the audience knowing you're screwed do you know what I mean? So it's kind of watching someone and you know that person is going to be asked to do something 
and you're just laughing beforehand because <laughs> you know it's like oh recite me that poem you wrote last week and you, you know the other performers looking at them like you and that's and that's where the joy comes yeah. from rather than they don't want you to recite a brilliant poem. They want you to be trying to make up something on the spot and it'll be crap, you know, and that's that's the joy. So from something as free-flowing as that to the stage. Mm-hmm. So you're just recently out of Bread Not Profits. Yes. Part in that. How did that go? Oh, that was, gee, that was an absolute joy. That was a privilege, like, to be part of a show that tells a, a story about you know your own city yeah, part of history like part of history yeah. i did my leaving cert special topic on the limerick soviet yeah? cool. <laughs> you know four years ago when i did my leaving cert. <laughs> <laughs> add a few um yeah so to do a show like that was incredible um and again it wasn't in a traditional setting no it, no it was um so cleaves factory which is ultimately a derelict um condensed milk factory well it was done dairies i think up to recently the last thing maybe 2005 anyway it's a derelict building that got turned into this promenade theater where you walk from space to space and it's a whole bunch of different rooms that are theaters essentially um and i've actually never performed that style so promenade theater is where the audience walk from space to space and then they're in the room and you don't acknowledge them as an actor it's like it's like their ghosts or it's like your ghosts yeah. do you know what I mean like you're in each other's spaces but neither of you uh, acknowledge the other but if somebody is standing where you need to go get something or they're sitting where you need to sit down you just go and you do it and you you the way you kind of move them aside is not acknowledging them. It's just kind of, they start to freak out and, and they react to you moving <laughs> towards them and they, they just step aside, you know what I mean? But um, I'd never done that kind of work before. And um, the director, Terry O'Donovan, he's with a company in the UK called Dante or Die. And that, that's what they do. It's, it's called site-specific theatre. Mm-hmm. So they turn unconventional spaces into, into performance spaces and generally as well the work has something to do with that place so they have another like they have another show that's set around a swimming pool yeah. you, you know and and it's in a leisure center and and so it it uses the pool you know but this uh terry was brought in uh, to direct this and uh it was guna new theater company dublin company who who did it and um uh yeah so i, I that was new for me like i'm I'm not that young, but I was doing something for the first time. And Terry was like, trust me, just do, trust me. When you do this, the audience will work with you. And I'm like, really? Okay. Did you have any moments where you had to move someone aside or? I didn't have to as much. My co-performer sat on a windowsill and every time (laughs) audience would just sit in the windowsill and then he walks over and, oh, he had left a helmet there because he was a soldier and he'd walk towards it and he'd pick up the helmet and they'd start kind of moving and then he'd just turn around and start to sit down and you'd see them scuffling <laughs> up like, oh, you know. And, they, and he'd look at me, but his eye line was always like, because he was on this windowsill and there's people sitting there, I was looking at him, but he, there was a head in the way. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, uh, trying to make eye contact with them as if they're, aren't these other eyes right next to his <laughs> looking at me and I can't look at them because it breaks it and yeah so that was my challenge was to try and imagine there aren't a whole bunch of people in my way when I'm it trying to it must be a tough one to overcome it was yeah, yeah I learned a load on it and yeah. I mean Terry does this work all the time and uh, actually fully enough myself and Terry were in Limerick Youth Theatre together you know, four years ago yeah, when I did my leaders. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, back back in the day, we, we were in new theatre together and he's gone on and developed this incredibly successful company and style of working. And um, we all had to learn it and we were all seasoned actors who were used to doing things a certain way. And he's like, no, you got to You got to change it. You got to trust me. And sometimes I'd get up and walk around. He goes, why are you doing that? I'm like, oh, you know, just to just to move around space. He's like, don't, just stay there. They're really <laughs> near you. But if you're on a big stage and people are far away, you need to move around to yeah. make it interesting. Yeah. Whereas in a room where they're right next to you. It's you, like they're part of it anyway. Yeah, yeah, so you don't, you like even, it's more like film acting, I think, yeah. than, um, and even like 
booming your voice like no 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 just talk to the guy in the room you don't have to be shouting you know and that for me it was new. well not shouting projecting um that was new completely <laughs> different to the training you would have done training yeah, yeah and the kind of shows i've done and even i direct shows as yeah. well and i've never directed anything like this so i'm used to encouraging performers to be interesting when they move and to um you know use their voices yeah. in a strong way in an unnatural way uh so they can be heard you know 50 rows back whereas he's like no no just, just talk. chat yeah. just chat like like we are now <laughs> yeah. it's like a podcast <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned the limerick youth theater yeah so since the four years since you've left it's still going you know it's still going imagine uh, that <laughs> <laughs> how, how important is it to have amenities like that in oh the city? my god what has um, it given to you it's essential. Yeah, I mean, Limerick Youth Theatre. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll break the spell. Limerick Youth Theatre in 2017 celebrated 20 years. So, uh, yeah, that that puts a more accurate uh, thing on, on my age. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you now, most, most kind of theatre practitioners, writers, performers, directors that have come out of Limerick who are say under um under 40 41 most of them have come through Limerick Youth Theatre like an odd couple an odd few here and there didn't but I mean if you go to a show and there's an actor an actress or a writer uh in the program chances are they came through Limerick Youth Theatre and it's a place where more than say stage school or something like that youth theater it's it's you're kind of over 16 it's it's every saturday and it's kind of professional training so you're not just say doing a show you're kind of working you're, you're getting trained by people who are working in the yeah. field so directors and actors that actually come and then you get to do shows that are pretty high standard and then you might like a lot of people join there most people are join, draw up to performance first and then they realize, oh no, actually, I want to be a director. Oh, actually, I want to be a stage manager or I want to be a writer or whatever. And but they discover that because they have space to. Um, and it's it it develop like you friendships out of it. That's a big one. Um, but you also have professional connections like that. Myself and Terry working together. Yeah. Um but networking is key at any age, I think. You know, any age. even like these small uh, summer camps you're mm. getting to meet people that you might work with eventually down the line or you know yeah yeah and it i i would say certainly from a theater point of view for like from as an art form to have something around that age where there's so many things for kids mm. but there's something around the mid-teens where things just drop away and if you are i mean the youth theater tends to attract the kind of the outsiders <laughs> you know and to have a space where you can go and be yourself yeah. and and be accepted and just try things out is is amazing and as i said it has developed most of the professional scene in limerick and out and exported um outside uh, outside of limerick is uh is unreal you know um so i i would say limerick is lucky to have it any any city or town that has a youth theater cherish them they are they are creating fantastic individuals yeah. and, and you mentioned at that age like you know it is tough to find the place where you're meant to be mm. so uh it's easy for a lot of people with other interests to express themselves but in the theater it's a bit tough you know it, it is and you know and, and someone might go to the youth theater and, and never work in theater or have no interest but maybe they will have been given a chance to figure out it, they've just been given that space mm. to then have the confidence to pursue um law or or computer programming or something but they'll always have a bit of a grow and a bit of an interest in theater you know what i mean like uh, i think what's important at that age as well is to figure out what you don't want to do yes yeah yeah a lot of people end up going to college at an age where they pick the first thing that they think they should do but then when they get a taste it's like no this wasn't for me and yeah you know but at least i think it's it's the playful thing as well like Someone, uh, I know an artist was recently asked, you know, what age did you start drawing? And his reply to the person was, well, what age did you stop? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, if you think of play acting, like that's what we did as kids, you know, you're always making up stories, putting on characters. Yeah. 
And that's kind of what we all do as adults. But And we get to be playful and you get to try things out. But there is a point in life where playtime is over and it's time to it's time to put the head down now yeah. and, and learn subjects off by heart and do exams all in one day. That never happens in life. Um, as I was listening to Blind Boy recently and he says, you know, there, there's nothing in your life that you have to deliver an entire thing on one day. He was like, talking about writing his book, wasn't his it? His book, yeah. yeah. And and even like, even in, in yeah, like journalism and that, you know, you you have time to do to yeah. do things. Um, and if you're doing your entire deadline on one day, that's not good practice. No. <laughs> you know? A few mistakes here and there, I'd imagine. You know? Yeah. And so yeah. just that, I, the notion of playfulness and not taking yourself too seriously which is hard because I know teenage years are just the the awkward nightmare where every everything is horrific <laughs> to you and you hate yourself and you hate your parents and you hate everything. But to get that playfulness back, it's very freeing. And I mean, a lot of, not in Ireland now, but co- uh, but companies like hire improv teachers and that to try and get their staff to think in a different way yeah. and not get stuck. Because if you're a bit playful, you tend to not get stuck in a cul-de-sac as quick. And I mean, it's it's all art forms as well. It's not just, say, performance or or that, but I suppose it's unlocking your creativity. And as as kids, we created all the time. We drew, we played, we we, we try things. And and then it just stops. (laughs) It's taken away from you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mentioned there with the UT as well, you get to try different things, acting, directing, writing. Yes. You have your own show which I do <laughs> has been doing fairly well. Yeah. 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 The morning after the life before. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So I wrote, um, I would have done a bit of writing over the years, but, um, <clears throat> and often I, I, I'd write, if I was working with a group, I'd end up maybe writing a script for them or, or that. Um, but this show is, um, it's a two hander. It's myself and a, a, a colleague, a friend, an amazing person called Lucia Smith, who um, who who has a very hard job of doing everything on stage while I stand around and talk to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's my own story. I play myself. It's my own life. It's my own journey. Um, and she plays like everyone else in my life. Like she plays my my parents, a teacher. A, um, a bureaucrat my partner like she's just she has to turn around and be a different person um that's so, a tough role <laughs> yeah yeah kind of the term be like a cast of thousands you know <laughs> and she and she is an amazingly playful fantastic performer cool. um so yeah the show came out of originally four years ago uh we had a referendum for marriage equality i remember (laughs) we do have a lot of them we do the last while anyway we have we've had we had another one this year like (laughs) yeah um so yeah uh and i wanted to do something kind of some kind of activist art and so i signed up i was accepted for this theater development scheme that was run that year called Hatch LK and uh, Maeve McGrath and the Bell Table and Monica Spencer um, set it up and it was just basically every month we met as a group and we met with this crowd called Theatre Uncut from the UK who specialise in kind of activist theatre and I was like I want to do something for the referendum to get people to vote yes I don't know what uh, but I don't want it to be about me and I don't want to be in it <laughs> <laughs> so the play's about me and I'm in it <laughs> uh, they say be careful what's the first thing you say you don't want to do it's probably the thing you're gonna do and then so out of that I wrote a 30 minute canvassing play where I told my own story of coming out later in life and then um fall in love with my partner, getting engaged and um, and then finding myself engaged mm. and not able to marry and and basically the last line of the show, the true line of the play was kind of not ever been able to see myself get married and uh, the canvassing play ended with me saying maybe I didn't know I didn't see myself get married because I never thought I'd have to ask everyone if I could and I went, so I'm asking, 
and I got down on one knee <laughs> and asked the audience, will you let me marry the love of my life? And uh, they all, they got to vote. They had a yes, no piece of paper and there was a box outside the, the theatre saying, will you let Anne marry Jenny? Total manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- I wanted them to see my name. Emotional blackmail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> and so then it, it did pass, but a lot of people said you should develop it. And so it's now, it's developed into a full length uh, show that includes uh, Aftermath and it's got more detail. Um, and it's fun as well. I think it's important to say that it, uh, you know, there's kind of this fear in any shows that deal with like someone coming out and it's like, oh, I've had a miserable life yeah. and, you know, and, and it all ended horribly. Whereas it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a very light story, light, light telling, a lot of comedy and um within the play there's room that if things go wrong we kind of like that because it frees us up like sometimes the light we've had issues where lighting cues haven't come on and lucia will turn around and go um we normally change the lights here (laughs) 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 and it's really fun whereas in another show you couldn't do that you know you just be like please change the lights oh okay okay guess we're not changing the lights um but yeah the morning it's called the morning after the life before which was a text message my brother David sent me the day after the referendum passed saying, how's the morning after the life before? I, was just, I thought that was clever. Yeah. <laughs> and so that became the title of the play. And yeah, we've been touring it for two years now. We recently hit performance 70. So was um, a milestone if ever there was one. Big one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and this year alone, we did like 42 of those shows were since January. Wow. Wait, so that's that's yeah. that's a new one for me. I've never done a show this many times. See, I knew you were busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we met in February and he said, I must have a chat with you. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See you in May. June. But, uh, you've brought the show abroad as well. Yeah. And so how is it bringing it, like, um, your story is local enough, mm-hmm. but it does affect the nation yeah. of Ireland because it's about the referendum. But then yeah. taking that to somewhere like Canada. Yeah. What's that like? You know, it's a, it's funny. Um, they love it. They, I kind of, here's a note to Irish artists. If you can go abroad because people love us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the minute I, you know, you walk on stage and you start talking, you can feel the audience go, ah. <laughs> but, um, sure, it's not a lovely accent. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> obviously it has to be, I mean, what I'm saying is you, you start on a good foot, I suppose. That in a way in Ireland, obviously you have to win people over because they're, they're, you know, all yeah. the same. Um, so no, really well received. And the thing is, it's, I think the more personal something is, the more people connect with it. Like yeah. the more specific you are, the better. I mean, I've seen, I've seen films set in San Francisco and lots of, you know references to really specific things i don't know san francisco that well but i don't care because it's a world do you know what i mean and the more specific you are the better i think and so it's a it's a very universal story because it's about life it's about love it's about family and everyone on some level can relate to it yeah um so we're, we're in the middle of pride month at the moment aren't we we are indeed yes limerick pride comes up in july Mm mm-hmm but uh, so since the referendum, some some people will probably think, oh, what's the point in Pride? We all accept it, but it's not accepted everywhere in the world. And I think that's the idea of Pride. It's not just mm. a site-specific place. It's a, a global thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for any group, visibility is really important. And our society is infinitely better than it was, certainly when I was growing up. Yeah. I mean, I can't even compare the Ireland I grew up in Four years ago. <laughs> and, but the Ireland I grew up in in the 80s, 90s is completely different to now. And we have come far and we have progressed. But you can't rest on things. And pride is just about visibility. And it's it's about ensuring something is maintained and, and celebrated. And the lovely thing about pride now is because it, it's not as, say, subversive or protesting because of the acceptance you know you can have my nephews can come with me yeah. and, and it's 
you know, it, it's it's just really inclusive. And um, well, I mean, my nephews could always come with me, but I mean, I suppose there's a sense of it's just a day or a week to to celebrate something like to have any kind of specific like a festival that highlights um, a culture you know any ethnicity is really important especially because when it comes down to it no matter how much something is accepted it's still not the norm or the majority it's still it's always going to be say i mean what 10 percent of people roughly um that or thereabouts is it or one in three i don't know i'm not great on this (laughs) on the on the gay statistics (laughs) but it's never going to be most of the population but i suppose most of the population have a family member or something and it's a it's important and I just think anything that celebrates and gives visibility to a group that has less of a voice that has had to fight for rights um, as well like, like you mentioned uh, you came out later in your life mm-hmm. like you'd hope now that there's not a need for people to wait that long oh completely yeah. that, I mean that's the big thing you know I mean when there's visibility when uh, there were no pride marches when I was growing up. Um, there was no visibility. And if there was, it was negative, yeah. you know. So what you want is that young people growing up now just, it's not an issue. But, I mean, we can't rest on laurels because yeah. there's so much horrible stuff out there. I mean, the positivity of the internet is ideas spread quickly, mm-hmm. but the negativity is there's a lot of, people with too much time in their hands with a lot of hate who you know spread that hate at a lot of different people and yeah like when it comes down to it we just we can't get um complacent yeah about equality and a, a better society because well look at it america like things can turn on a dime do you exactly, know what i mean yeah. um like you wouldn't think that Ireland in 2019 would be seen as one of the most progressive nations <laughs> in the world like you know it, the last few referendums anyway yeah, yeah no but like laws now you know Ireland has taken steps like obviously in, in civil rights and that but conversation you know, helps with that though you know? it's everything yeah it's everything it's a line in my play is the nation had a conversation yeah and that is how you change people is talking to them not click on this link not horrible comments the best way is chat yeah because we're humans and that's how we relate you know and I th- you mentioned the uh, activists performances and art mm-hmm. so your play probably convinced all of ireland to vote all of favor, ireland you know yeah. everyone <laughs> <laughs> so how important is art in activism i think it's incredibly powerful um because it's a way of getting something on a different level to people. I mean, I mean, conversation is, I mean, after conversation, yeah. I think art, um, is it, you know, if, if you're watching something, if you're listening to music, if you are surrounded by a certain idea, whatever that might be, that seeps into you. Like if you listen to a lot of music where, um, women are, debased and if you watch movies where women don't exist or if they do their characters whether or not that is going to get into your head even as a woman yeah. like that's going to get into you um i think i actually think theater is i would say probably the most powerful medium when it comes to activism because music you can listen to Passively. tv you can turn yeah. it off yeah cinema you can you know leave but when you're in a theater you're trapped in there (laughs) (laughs) and the humans you are watching are right there you know and i mean that's why my play i felt like look if i can just get people to sit down and listen to me for 30 minutes i think i can reach them yeah and and not tell them stuff just show them stuff they say show me don't tell me that's the big theater thing um and in that time you can affect people i've been affected not even like necessarily politically as such but yeah i've gone to shows and they've stayed with me and they've challenged assumptions i've had maybe i don't know i there's an amazing show called silent by pat kinnevin i don't know if you've ever seen it but the next time you walk past a homeless person on the street you would have a very different experience after watching this show yeah 
because he makes you, you get, look at the world differently. Makes you look at the world differently. So yeah, I think, and it's why artists have a big part in in political movements. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think you entrap people and make them listen to you. And, and with the morning <laughs> after and the life before, uh, mm-hmm. so we had a referendum in Ireland, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of countries around that haven't. Yes. So visiting these countries with the play could hopefully start a conversation. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that's nothing I haven't done. So the show has been... Sorry, I keep hitting that. Uh, sorry for your audio comfort. <laughs> I keep hitting a, a screw here. Um, yeah, I, I, the show has been around Ireland. Um, it's been to the UK. It's been to Canada. And it's been to the US. Um, but it hasn't been somewhere that doesn't have it yet. Yeah. Um, so that, and that's really important. Must be a tough to one me. to do abroad as well though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to get someone. Yeah. Like you have the access in Ireland before the referendum. That was the thing. Yes. But. Somewhere that yeah. doesn't have it. Yeah. Well, hopefully watch this space. Uh, we might be bringing it to Derry in August. Cool. Um, because Derry as being part of the north of Ireland, ironically, even though the UK has marriage equality and the Republic has marriage equality, the north doesn't. So the minute I cross the border, my marriage is unrecognised. Um, it, yeah, it's shocking yeah. for for them. Like, it's just, you know, this... But that means a lot more than just the title. That's the thing. Like, if something were to happen, hopefully not. But, yeah, you know, there's issues in the hospital there hospital. after that and you know there's a, a lot more to it than people realise exactly yeah. it, it has huge ramifications but you know it's also telling I mean it, you know what we said at the time was like you know you're telling it, you're telling someone that they are less important and also like um, not everyone wants to get married cool yeah, yeah absolutely but you shouldn't be told you can't and it's bad to have something in the constitution that tells an entire group of people that they are less. Yeah. Um, and that's what they have in the north at the moment. And it's so fingers crossed. I'm I'm in chats at the moment with Jerry Pride, and hopefully I'll know in the next week or two. And I would be so happy to actually feel like the show has a chance to maybe make a, a political change again because I mean it still does I mean everywhere yeah. we go it does have an effect on people but I suppose to actually bring it to a a place where the laws aren't supporting it so I'm not sure how many listeners we have in Derry but, uh, <laughs> yes ho- hopefully you'll be seeing the play soon enough yeah well hopefully <laughs> and like watch watch this Twitter feed but yeah so it, well I think the last week of it's just like Doyle and Doyle Derry it's foil pride or something um it's it's the 17th to the 24th of August or something. So we'll be falling at some point in that week. Yeah, cool. So fingers crossed. Yeah, that'll be great. So, so from that show, uh, you're also mm. a podcaster yourself. Yourself and Emma Langford. <laughs> yeah. I am, yes. It's uh, the Limerick Lady, which came from the live shows that were Emma put on over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, what's the podcast about for people who haven't People who haven't... It's it's poor Emma putting up with me slagging her generally. <laughs> <laughs> poor Emma dealing up with an L one slagging her. Um yeah, so Emma basically set up the Limerick Lady, um, which was uh, I suppose live events like concerts and, and talks, which were the focus was to give visibility. That's kind of what I talked about earlier, visibility to female artists. And the, the very sweet thing about it was Emma said to me, I emceed the first ever Limerick Lady event. And she said, when I was a teenager, you were in a band and I'd see you, she'd say to me, I'd see you playing gigs and I felt I belong up there. And she said, I think if younger girls and women see female artists and they, it, it create, if you, what's it, if you can see it, you can be it, you yeah. know? Um, so that's where it, it that's where it came from and so the podcast is like the two of us chatting and chatting to female artists from not just musicians but uh, different disciplines and uh just talking about their experience and talking about kind of what it is to be a female artist because um i think it's very easy to dismiss 
oh there's no problem or you know it's grand um but when somebody gives you an experience um then you have something to attach it to or that and uh you can't dismiss a person's actual experience like just because a person has not experienced uh, difficulty in a work setting doesn't mean that difficulty doesn't exist. Yeah. So we, we said, well, look, if we, t- what we, what you and I said earlier, if you talk about it, then you can find a solution. And uh, I mean, when I was a teenager and I'd go to sound checks with my, my guitar, my bass guitar, you know, it would be all fellas. And, then everyone would just assume I was someone's girlfriend. And then I get up on stage and plug it in and and I was very confident growing up. I, I had real sense of I was good at music and and that, but I I used to feel so uncomfortable. Um and not, it's not that fellas make you uncomfortable. It's just when you're the only person there yeah. who's who's female. It's just like, where is everyone? <laughs> or should I be here? Yeah. Do like, am I meant to be here? And, um, you know, it's, that has a knock on effect that it's, well, the boys play music and the girls fancy the boys who play music. That, you know what I mean? It's kind of, that's the role. Um, so the Limerick Lady talks, talks to female artists to talk about those experiences, but also to give a platform to people that maybe you might necessarily come across. And, and do you see changes yourself from those experiences of going up and doing a sound check and feeling a bit out of place? Mm. Well, I suppose I grow up, I don't care as much, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> there comes well, a point where you say, <laughs> well, I, I like I play in the Brad Pitt Light Orchestra. I'm the only woman yeah. with a whole bunch of fellas on stage. Um, now we play, I played, uh, we played a gig a number of years ago. It was for the first Fortnite festival in the um, Button Factory, I think it was. And on the night, I don't know, there was like six or seven bands. Um, Ham Sandwich were one of them, King Kong Company. And Neve from Ham Sandwich is female. Uh, one of the King Kong Company crowd was female. And I kind of estimated that on a night where about 40 musicians played, there are only three women. So it's not changing soon, mm. but you'd hope that, I mean, like Limerick, there's now Pow Pig or all-female band. Yeah. I mean, we don't look at a band and call them an all-male band. Yeah, yeah. Do you it's know? Just a band. Just a band. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a female band. <laughs> it's just even stuff like that. Yeah. Just to gently challenge it um, and call out anything that's that's negative yeah. or disempowering. Um like I, it's I don't know. If, have you been watching the women's World Cup at the moment? I've seen a couple of games, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh look, there's a whole bunch of women on say on stage on the field. All oh, right, and they're just not being, you know, objectified or filmed doing sexy things. You realize most <laughs> TV shows, you know, if there's a lot of women, they're like shopping or they're bitching yeah. or they're, you know, they're just being attractive or and you're like that's not life that's not my day-to-day life most of my friends are real people who have interests and flaws um so yeah that that's kind of been interesting um but i think the music scene has a long way to go and a lot of that is you know there's like well girls should play more music or they should make themselves more but if you don't want to step into a world or if you don't sorry if you don't think you belong there you might think, well, I like singing, but maybe I like singing in my house or maybe I like singing at mass or weddings or whatever, which is all good gigging. You know? But I think we just need to, to mix it up a little bit and, and challenge anything that says you don't belong here. Yeah. It's, is the big thing. It's, it's, a, it's a, a healthy conversation. Now, I, I'm a fan of your podcast. Oh, my, thank you. Uh, one of my favorite sections, we were just talking about it before we started, was the... Uh, I'm probably going to do a terrible impression of Emma here, but it's a uh, feminism is a dirty word. Dirty, dirty, dirty word. <laughs> Fil- what did you say? Filthy wash on my Yeah. Do you think it is? Yeah, I'm. Not, I'm. I still struggle saying it because uh, to say you're a feminist, it's like you're making a declaration. Whereas 
it should be like saying you're a human. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. a really normal, healthy thing to be. <laughs> I believe in the equality of genders. Like that's, you know, like the perception is like, well, I mean, I'm not a, like men don't say they're manist or whatever the, the equivalent is, masculinist. <laughs> but you're talking about addressing uh, discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And there is one there. And if you, if, someone doesn't believe it exists then listen to someone's experience because that i mean and the problem is as women we're taught we're taught from a young age to hate ourselves and to think we're um our bodies aren't good our hair isn't good our face isn't good our skin isn't good and that's just in everything yeah and uh so to say you're a feminist is like just challenging that stuff people a lot of women i know go oh I'm not a feminist I, I love men they're like that not they're not <laughs> they're not exclusionary you know um there's a great quote by oh god what's your man master of none um Aziz Ansari, Aziz Ansari yeah. he's saying something like um you know uh like to say you're feminist uh like he's talking about how words work you know so to say like I'm a doctor who works with skin and rashes um, said, oh, you're a dermatologist. Like, no, 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 no. That's too strong a word. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if you believe in equality of the sexes, you're a feminist. That's how words work. And, you know, um, yeah, the best way to disempower any movement is make it stupid or, yeah. or, or oh, it's too much or, oh, crazy hysterical lady. Whereas maybe it's just someone who's trying to right or wrong, you know, and... Um, so yeah, I think it's a case of kind of taking back the word and make it should be at a point. The way now, if you turn around and said you were a racist, people would be like, "What?" You know. <laughs> and I think I think we it would be great for society to get to a point that if someone said, "I'm not a feminist," you're like, "What? That's why not?" You yeah. know. That's a, it's a really healthy addressing of a discrepancy in society where you just. There's a lot of very, they're subtle. There's subtle little things that are in there that just make life a little crapper and more difficult for for women. Um, actually, Imro Tool, who who was on the podcast, yeah. um, she she put it in a lovely way. About she said like um, patriarchy, the term, which is just the idea that society ultimately favors the male, not all men, but a particular type of man. Yeah. And often at the expense of men. So if you aren't this archetypal, you know, kind of alpha, you will be considered lesser or weaker or a pussy or a homo or whatever it is that rewards this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most men I know and like don't benefit from patriarchy, <laughs> you know. And, but Jesus, patriarchy is, it's a very subtle thing and it's it comes from love. You know, it's, 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 you know wanting to be helpful wanting to be supportive um wanting to be the the good woman you know which is but a good woman is a passive woman who doesn't have opinions who doesn't have agency and you know that idea that to not be that is negative you know if that's not good that just has a bunch of automatons who (laughs) have no opinions and just you know want to please um and you know it's something i have to fight in myself you know um all the time you know and even though i'm a very confident somewhat evolved person i still you know do fall into a role sometimes of um you know, no, no, I, you know, I'll make the tea, even though there's somebody, you know, my hands are full. (laughs) Yeah. On there, you know, not doing it, you know, and, and it's just that thing. Yeah. It's, I I think when we, when we kind of have conversations, you, you realize, oh, okay, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. And also to let, to allow men, I mean, patriarchy doesn't allow men to, to express emotion in a healthy Mm. way or to, you know, or even to kind of, um, what's the word, to kind of undermine the idea of childcare, yeah. that that's woman's work, whereas 
minding children is really important that we all do it especially if the child is yours <laughs> <laughs> you know but from a really young age girls are handed pretend babies to mind yeah. and boys are given yeah you know, like if a boy picked up a pretend baby he'd be told stop playing with the doll yeah. you know and we're given prams and kitchens now boys now have kitchens to play with which is cool but you well, know, my godson went out and picked up a, a doll for his birthday. You know, his mum gave him like a voucher for yeah, yeah. a toy shop. And the first thing he did was, oh, I want the doll. Brilliant. So, so he said, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so he strolled around with the, the pram for a while, you know. Great. Yeah, it was cool to see. Yeah. And it's it's healthy because, you know, if you think babies are... It doesn't mean he's going to steer clear of screwdrivers and stuff. No, he has a toolbox <laughs> as well to go, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 you know, and it's that idea that things don't belong to someone. Yeah. Things don't belong to a gender. They, we should be encouraged. We should be encouraged to be, what do you call it? Evol- like rounded individuals. And if we, if someone has a huge interest in something that is traditionally gendered brilliant yeah. you know as long as it's they're not being told exactly because it's not this, forced on them or but also yeah. that they're not told that's bad yeah. that well screwdrivers uh are stupid because boys like them it's like you know that's not good for girls either yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's just challenging all that and that uh, crap as busy as you are i'd imagine the, i know the podcast takes a bit of work but it must mm-hmm. be nice to get down and have a chat with emma like you know yeah sure Emma, she's only okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, Emma Langford, talk about yeah. to someone who's gently taking over the world. Um, no, it's great, and and also as I said, like Emma and myself are different ages and have had different experiences, and it's and and you know she's a really she's really applied herself and her career has shot through the roof through that just sheer hard work. Yeah. Um, and like, and I really like chatting with her. It's like, I'll see things from a different angle and, um, and yeah, and I think when you have grown up like 10 years apart, you'll have had a different experience yeah. of, of, you know, and she'll have certain kind of really healthy expectations of life that I, you know, I, I had a, a bit more of a an intense Catholic Ireland maybe than she had, you know. Um, yeah, and she she's just um, she's a fascinating person as well as a tremendous artist. And yeah, the podcast is really it's fun. Now the one thing is we do this thirty second song challenge thing, and for the next episode, I think which has been recorded next week, um, I it's my job. So we kind of put out to Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a choice of instrument, a uh, a choice of of um, oh type of music, and then a title. So I have to write. <laughs> I have to write a jazz barbershop song with a washboard, <laughs> <laughs> and the title is "Pay Gaps and Thigh Gaps." Cool. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Anyone have a wash? I still haven't found a washboard. I mean, I can approximate one. It's just yeah. a rattly thing. So inside of a fridge, so it's a great. That might do the job. That right? might do the job. Yeah. yeah, actually. Okay. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> if you think it's a washboard, Keen, just advise me. I'll use a, a fridge grate, a fridge shelf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, but, and that, that's, that stuff's good fun. So um, I can't wait for it to be her job to do that again cool. <laughs> so uh, apart from the hopeful gig coming up in Derry what else mm-hmm. do you have on the cards or are you taking it easy um, yeah uh, yeah so between January and May as I told you we were very busy with the show um, <laughs> and now this summer I, I think uh, well my missus uh, Jenny is happy to have me back at home <laughs> to walk the dogs and stuff <laughs> and over the house <laughs> the crap you don't want to be left doing on your own um, yeah so um, I will well, yeah the, actually with the band at the moment we're we're trying to record some more stuff cool. so that'll be that'll be great so we're trying to get that done over the summer and um with morning after, I think we're looking at doing more touring, but it'll be next year. You went um, on a bit of a fringe circuit as well with the show. Yeah, yeah, there's a great fringe circuit in Canada, if anyone's yeah. ever thinking of getting out of Ireland. Yeah, we went to London, Ontario and Montreal. And um, and we went... a few awards there. We well. did. Yeah. We, we got top awards of both. And the Montreal one meant we got an invite back there 
So last year we went we went back to Montreal. So Did we, you go back again? Oh, we'd love to, Jane. But I don't know if they, I don't know if they'd have me. <laughs> I might have to bring a different show. <laughs> they like that we, one again. That, she's still going on about her wedding. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they. The, the it was so funny. The fringe was in this time of year. Actually, it was pretty much this time two years ago, and it was super hot, like melting heat. But like Montreal spends about seven months of the year under snow, and they get proper summers. Yeah, but yeah. then we were back in January, and she, like bald, just yeah, balding <laughs> minus thirty one night, like and, and snow, and they still came to the theater. They'd still go. <laughs> they'd still leave their house. It's like Jesus, like if it's raining too much, we're like, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, sure, this country shuts down if you're like a powdering of snow. Yeah. But uh, the bread yeah. is gone and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the bread, <laughs> the beast from the east. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it it that was um, the fringe circuits are 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 lovely, and we're um, I think if we. We'll probably be looking to tour in Ireland next year because we've only done it well we've done it in Dublin lots of times now we're we did two runs in Dublin the last few months but to bring it to some other places and then uh, hopefully maybe look at some international touring as well later in the year cool so um, yeah all, the, all that, all so that. Why, and then how can people keep up to date with all this with my amazing life yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I'm on uh, well, Tweet the morning, the, yeah. Well, the morning after the life before has a Facebook page, yeah. and um, myself, I'm on Twitter at Anne Blake seventy eight, and I, the morning after actually has an Instagram, and so it's it's at morning after LB, but it's only really active when we're doing the show. It sounds um, like it, by the way. You pause to remember the name. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it has a hashtag hashtag morning after LB. Because it is a long name. Um, and I actually, I have a website that I need to work on. So I'll, that's my homework. But it is anblake.ie. So I'll I'll get to work on that. That's my homework now <laughs> before the podcast goes out. <laughs> and uh, oh, and Brad Pitt Light Orchestra is is on all the things. I think just Google us. Probably yeah. easier. So uh, keep an eye out for everything that Anne is getting up to. There's a everything. lot going on. You know? <laughs> and then you obviously have the podcast with the Lyric Lady. Yes, yes. And that's at LK Lady HQ, I think. And that's a monthly podcast. Monthly podcast, yeah. yeah. And it ho- hopefully it's, um, we have to sort out the platform for it, but it should be available on uh, properly soon. Cool. You can listen back to episodes as well. And thanks very much for joining me on the podcast. Ian, thank you so much for having me. Best of luck with everything. Thanks a million. You've been listening to We Are Limerick, a Limerick Post podcast. For more news, sport, entertainment and more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie.